You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Fantastic. Just a week away. Isn't it? Yeah. Today is actually Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday, that moment where, where Jesus rode in uh, on this, this donkey, this colt. And uh, he, he was coming to a people who didn't really understand who he was, didn't fully understand his role and his, his, his reason for coming. But what an incredible response from the crowd that cried, Hosanna, Hosanna, crying out to the one, the king who would come. And so here we are today, a week out from Easter. And I, I want to focus on a, on a passage today. Out of the book of Acts, it's actually after Jesus was, was crucified and resurrected and brought back to life. And what happened with the disciples, those that followed Jesus, and what happened in their lives after that moment. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47, let's read it together. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you for this incredible picture of your early church. People that put their hope and their trust in you. People who surrendered their lives and said, Jesus, we'll follow you wherever you lead us. And God, here we are centuries later, still answering that call, still making that choice to follow you, to serve you, to to dwell and live within community. God, would you speak to us today about what it means corporately to live in this community, but also my individual role. Lord, each of us have a part to play in building and growing this community. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I don't know about you, but when I read this passage, it it, it stirs my heart every time I come past this passage, every time I read this passage, the first few chapters of Acts. There's something that awakens within my soul saying, God is... Can we be a part of this? Can, can this be what our community could look like? I'm not suggesting that we could replicate it exactly or we should even try. But could we be a part of a community that was so uh, together, so connected, so passionate about the calling that they had on their lives that people would come in, would be amazed, would be in awe of what God was doing? And I see glimpses of it. I see moments that, that, that you know, within this group of people, when I hear the stories of community within our small groups and the, the, the lives that you are living and the response that people have towards your generosity. And I say, God, we are living in this moment. We are living with a community and a part of a community that is truly making a difference. And, and my, my heart is, sign me up. God, I want to be a part of this. I want to be a part of this community. But how did this community actually come about? 
Because it's easy to read this passage and think, wow, they must have spent time together and built relationship together and you know, just, just you know, built trust over time. But this community, just about a sentence earlier, was not this community. See, the, Jesus said to the disciples, go into Jerusalem and, 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 and wait and I'm going to send my Holy Spirit and he's going to come and we're going to look at this passage towards the end of this message this morning. But this group of people were a very small group of people until Peter preached a very important message to which then 3,000 people were saved and were baptized. And verse 42 comes very next. So all of a sudden this group that met in an upper room which probably was just somebody's home, 50, 60, I don't know, 70, 80, 90 people, a small group of people all of a sudden become a crowd of 3,000 and something people. And this was the result. Now, I don't know about you, but if you've lived in community, if you've met new people, if you've connected with somebody for the very first time, this isn't always the case. Sometimes we take a bit of time to warm up to each other, right? You know, do I trust this person? Can I walk with this person? It might take a year or two or three or four to really build trust with somebody. But this happened in the space of a moment where the gospel was preached and people responded and all of a sudden, this is the community. And it kind of looks like an Instagram story in some ways, doesn't it? All the highlights. Because I'm pretty certain that it wasn't just highlights in this group of people. Come on, you get enough people together. I mean, just, just, just me and one other. There's enough, there's enough room in there for a little bit of conflict, right? Just, just, just me and Amy, and we, we can't always find agreement in everything, let alone widening that group to our family and into a much, much bigger extended family. So how was it that this community could see such great effect? We're going to look at that this morning. At the heart of it, these people experienced something. They experienced an encounter with God. They experienced a love and an acceptance from God. And something stirred within their heart that caused them to treat people differently. Different to the culture of the day. They, they went against the norm. They went against everything the culture of the day would be saying. And there was a generosity that flowed out of them. A generosity of heart and resource that says, what's mine is yours. Been captivated by a vision that was bigger than themselves, and at the center of it all was Jesus. The message of the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is very simple God loves you. God loves you so much that He wanted relationship with you. The problem was sin had entered into humanity when Adam and Eve made that choice to disobey. For centuries, people were, would try and make things right with God through a sacrificial system. If I sacrifice this, this, this dove, this lamb, then my sins will be forgiven and I'll be right with God again. Oh dear, I've sinned again. It's back to the altar again with another sacrifice and another sacrifice. But God had a plan at just the right time. God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that he gave Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, for my sin, for your sin, so that my sin wouldn't be held against me. Instead, Jesus would take that sin on him and he would be crucified, and my sin would be crucified with him. And that's the good news that had captivated this group of people. 
And all of a sudden they're saying, I've been saved from this great sin, this great this death that I should expect. And now I'm living in freedom. As I read this passage, I, I want us to imagine this community. I think we are in it. We're living in it. This is a part of what we're experiencing right now. But I want us to imagine what our part is that we would play. So we read through these verses. What is it that jumps out? And God is saying, I want you to extend yourself in this area. I want you to give of yourself in this particular area. I, 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 there was something about last week that, that just, I, I came away buzzing. I came away so excited. When I saw the rubber meet the road and people pull out their wallets and give to something that was beyond them. It was like, what can I get out of this? Nothing. The vision was, was all about people that we don't even know yet necessarily. You know, we are the, one of the few organizations that exist for its non-members. Have you thought about that? For the people that aren't yet here, we open our doors every morning, and you might be here for the very first time. We are open today. We are doing what we're doing because of you. We love to gather, and we love to sing, and we love to worship, and we love to come around the Word of God, but there's a reason we do that because we know that there are people out there that are looking for the hope of Jesus, and so we will do that. We will open our doors every Sunday, and we will always make sure that we are open for those that are looking for the hope of Jesus. You know, last week we received, and I know money is still coming in, we received the largest offering in a vision offering than we've ever received by about three times the amount. That is the high. Yeah, yeah, give yourself a hand. That is amazing. The generosity that was shown in the response to a vision that we would go and we would reach and serve some people. It's stirring, it's stirring. There's something that God is doing. So let's look at this, this passage and just kind of break it down this morning, verse by verse. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. You know, the word fellowship is translated koinonia, koinonia, which means intimate spiritual communion and participative sharing in a com common religious commitment and spiritual community. Your fellowship isn't a word that we would normally use. Hey, let's go out for a bit of fellowship. It's not, it's not kind of a word that's common. You know, I don't say that to my, my mates and my soccer team. Hey, boys, let's go out for some fellowship. It's something that's kind of reserved for a community of believers. And there's a connection that happens spiritually. I mean, we can find interest on a whole lot of different levels, right? Interest in a sports team or, or food or or, or, or work, or whatever it is, we can find interest. But when we get a spiritual connection, when there's a connection between you and me because of Jesus and what he's done and his spirit who's moving amongst us, that is something powerful. That is the koinonia. That is the fellowship of the believers. The koinonia we see was a supernatural move of God. That 3,000 people would turn up and say, hey, what's happening? These people are drunk. They're drunk. No, no, we're not drunk. We're filled with the Spirit of God. The gospel is preached, and they say, what do we have to do to be saved? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, is what Peter said. They said, let's do it. We're in. 3,000 people saved and baptized that day. 
Could you imagine what our life would look like? What this church community would look like if 3,000 people said yes to Jesus tomorrow? Would we be ready for 3,000 people? Would we be ready to share our seat, to not have any room, not to pick our favorite seat? Someone might turn up and sit in your seat. I don't have a spare seat, a safe seat. Yes, you do. We all kind of go. I mean, there are some rebels that like to move around a little bit. Keep being rebellious. Go for it. But imagine how exciting is that going to be when we see a hundred people come in and say, I don't know anything about this, this faith thing. I don't know what it means to be a Christian. I don't know what it means to follow Jesus. And you say, well, let me show you what I've learned. Could our response be a little bit like Paul in the, in the New Testament? He says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. In other words, follow me. I, I don't have it all together, but, but you know what? I'm just following after Jesus with all of my heart. And come and walk alongside me. And we'll, we'll see if we can work this out together. That's discipleship saying, yeah, we can do this together. Goes on, verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. There was an expectation and a constant occurrence of the miraculous. Time and time again, the miraculous would take place. We're believing in this next season to see more and more of that. That we would, we would have the confidence and the faith and the trust in Jesus to be able to say to someone, you're sick. You're sick today. Let me pray for you. Let me believe in faith for you. You know, this morning I woke at one, haven't slept since, with a massive head cold, not feeling the best today. But I turned up here today because I believed that I'd receive some healing. I'll tell you what, my nose is clear, feeling a whole lot better even just getting up here and starting to preach. But you know what, a bunch of people came and said, can I pray for you? I said, yes, please, I need your prayers. Come on, we need to be a community of people that see somebody in a need, whether it be physical or whatever it is, and say, can I pray with you? Can I believe for the miraculous with you? Sometimes we can't believe for our own miracle. We don't have the faith to believe, but what if someone could come around us and say, come on, I want to believe with you, for you, and your miracle. Verse 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. I read that and I go, really? Really? 3,000 plus people had everything in common? In common, they had no differences. I mean, in this group, we could find 150, 200, probably 1,000 reasons to disagree with each other. Is that what this passage means? That they agreed on everything? No. Did they agree on the same football team to support? I doubt it. Did they have the same passage from the Torah, the law, that they love more, more than another? Probably not. Did they love the same food? Did they, did they have the same hobbies? Unlikely. So what was it that was in common? What was it they had together? Christ in the center of it all. Jesus in the middle of every conversation. Jesus is the focus, is the, the, the passion, the thing, the person that they would chase. You know, in a world today, I don't know if you notice it, but we are in a world today where people are saying, draw a line. 
tell me which side of this line you stand. And, and political things, social things. People are saying, tell me where you stand and we will put a line in the middle and we will divide that group of people and we will divide that group of people. And then within this group of people, we're going to divide them again. And we're wanting to separate people and pull people apart. But God's saying, I want you to come together. I want you to come together. I want you to love one another as I loved you. I want you to find agreement. I want you to come together on the thing that matters most, Jesus. Let's not lose sight of our Savior. Let's not lose sight of Jesus who, who, who came, and he, he came because he loved the world so much. He loved you. We can have differences, but we can come together around the main thing. Let's make Jesus the main thing. He is, and he's another thing. Make Jesus the main person we follow, central in everything we do. In every conversation, if we can't find agreement, you know, it's, it's quite easy. What do you think Jesus would have done? How would Jesus have responded? It's actually not that difficult in any situation we're facing to have a conversation. When we find disagreement, we can say, well, how would Jesus have responded in this moment? Honestly, and as we read the word of God, how would he have responded? I think we'd find less disagreements if we would come back to Jesus in the way he lived and loved and led us. Paul summed it up in the book of Ephesians. He says, Ephesians 4, 2 to 7, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. You have to bear with anyone in love. You go, no, no, I can't think of that. Maybe you're the one that they are bearing. Just a thought, just a thought. Make every effort. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you are called the one hope when you are called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. That's completeness right there. That's full completion. Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned us. We're together in one, but, but we're different. That's the beautiful thing about it. That's the powerful thing about a church community, a Jesus-following community. We're all different. We're all going to reach different people. We're all going to have, have different passions that we're, we're going after but we're together in one on the things that truly matter. Let Jesus be our focus, how we lived, loved, and led people. You know, we're never more like Jesus than when we give. Never more like God than when we give. When we lay down our lives, when we serve. That's love. What is love? That one would lay down his life for another. That's what Jesus modeled for us and invites us to do the same. I've never felt greater joy in my life than when I've sacrificially given and done something that that somebody couldn't pay me back for. There's there's no greater feeling than being able to, to give to someone, to be able to serve someone. 
And when they say, can I pay you back? It's like, no, no, I'm doing this because I love you. I'm doing this because out of, out of, out of the gratefulness, the gratitude that's in my heart for my life, I want to share that with somebody else. That's what I love about what's going to happen with this dinner at Elam. Terms three and four, if you missed last week, we're in terms three and four, we're going to be putting on a dinner for those in our community. I had an amazing meeting with uh, Selena Gordon this week talking about ways that we can just love and serve some of the families and help some of the families that are, are ready to take a step to, to growing and finding freedom in their own lives. And they just need some help, just need a family to get alongside them and come around them and, 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 and bring some support and some help. Even just a dinner one night a week could make a significant difference in a family moving out of a place of bondage into freedom. What an incredible opportunity we have. I love verse 45 here. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. This is what's happening. This is what's happening right now. People, people are giving of themselves, giving over and above for those that might have need. So blessed in this, in this church for the thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars that have been sowed into this building, this facility, this church over the years. Many of you here today, we're, we're, we're over the road. And even up on Bank Street, when this all began, when, when a group of people said, we've got a dream to reach some people in the city of Whangarei. And here we are today in this unbelievable facility. And our doors are going to be open a little wider. Open wide on a Sunday, opening wider on a Monday. Maybe we could reach some more people who need Jesus. I want to say thank you for those that have sacrificed, those that have given over the years. I want to speak to another generation, my generation and younger that says, come on, it's our time to sacrifice. It's our time to give over and above. It's our time to leave a legacy for our family, for my children who, who might one day come through and Lead in this place. Serve in this place. What an opportunity we have. Goes on, verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. You know we have over 45 small groups that meet around the city week, every week or every fortnight. Lots of different groups, different passions and interests. And again, some of the groups that are running, I wouldn't be interested in being a part of that group. The gardening group, I love my mom, but, but I'm probably not going to sign up for that group. <laughs> you know? But you know what? I've found a group that works for me, where I feel like I can contribute, where I can add value. And if we can all be a part of one of those groups, that's where life gets real. That's where we truly find freedom. We talk about finding freedom in small groups. Why? Because we can hide in a crowd. Come on, let's be honest. We can walk into a crowd and we can, we can say hi and we can say, how you doing? Good. How you doing? Good. And walk out the door. And inside we're dying. Inside we're in pain. Inside this sin that we know is robbing us of the joy of our salvation and we're not telling anyone. But I'll tell you what, in a small group, there's no room, to, no room to hide. And I say that in a good way. Because when we get together in a small group, all of a sudden the masks come off. 
and we get a little bit real with each other. We talk about a, a moment that's, that's troubled us in the week. And we have friends that will get around us and pray for us and take communion together. I'm so thankful for my small group. I'm so thankful for the men that speak into my life where I can actually take my leader hat off. I take my leader hat off when I get in my small group. And I just gather together with some men who I know love me and have got my back. We've got a telegram chat. And we just fire off prayer needs. Hey, I'm going to this difficult meeting. Somebody says, praying hands come up. We're on, we're on it. We're coming. We got you. We got your back. Are you a part of a small group? If you're not, would you be brave? Would you be brave and, and take a step? It could be the very thing that you're needing to find freedom in your life. There's a phrase in here that sums up what authentic community looks like. She's Sarah Gomez. She, she found this word sincere and the meaning of the word sincere, which means without wax. To be sincere means without wax. The sculptures or the, the, the statues that were, were sculpted would often have cracks. And so rather than leaving the cracks and the imperfections, they'd take wax and they would put the wax over the cracks. Didn't, didn't strengthen it. All it did was kind of gloss over the problem that the statue actually had. To be sincere means to be without wax. I want to live in that authentic community where the cracks are visible. And that's okay. You're not doing so well today, are you? No, no I'm not. Whew. I don't have to hide that. Can I pray for you? Yes, please. Can I walk with you? This is going to be a tough week for you. Is there any way I can help you this week? Come on, we got, we got to live in such a way that we don't have to put these masks on anymore. I don't know why we feel we have to. We're a mask to, to tell everybody that we're okay. What if we're not okay? What if we're not doing well? Now, I'm not suggesting that you just walk up to anybody and say, I'm not doing so well, though. That might be a God thing in itself. But when you've built relationship, when you made a commitment to one another to be able to have that conversation with somebody, say, I'm not doing so well, would you pray for me? The Bible says, confess your sins one to another, pray for one another so you might be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Come on, maybe for some of us, we need to say, you know what, I'm struggling in this particular area. This thing, the sin just keeps getting a hold of me. I need to confess it to you. I need your help. As the team come this morning, goes on, verse 47, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Through all of this, the people were praising God. They were praising God. God added to their number daily. Every day, another person said, there's something about that community that I want to be a part of. There's something about the way they're living their lives. And it continues on in chapter 4. We read, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own. But they shared everything they had with great power. The apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in all of them that there were no needy persons among them. 
For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold and brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. There's something powerful about the act of generosity. When we give what we have, as Robert Morris says, if God can get it through me, he'll get it to me. And I see so many people in this congregation, this group of people that are like that. God just keeps blessing them with resource. And it just keeps coming in and out, in and through, in and through. Come on, we want to be people like that. That would, would, would have what we need for, for us, for our family, for our savings, for our generations to come. But then there would be that extra that we would say, what, who can I bless with this? Who can I give this to? Where could this money go? Where could this resource go to be a blessing to someone else? When we arrived six years ago, I was impacted by the story of Jesus uh, choosing his disciples. Matthew 4, 18 to 22. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon also called Peter and Andrew, throwing a net into the water for they fish for a living. Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. Little farther up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father, Zebedee, repairing their nets. And he called them to come too. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. What jumped out at me when I read this passage is that the first two brothers were, were fishing. They were using their nets to do what it was supposed to do, fishing for fish. The next two, Jesus called, they were mending the nets. Because you know what? Sometimes when you're fishing, your equipment breaks. Sometimes your equipment isn't as strong as it should be, and it needs to be repaired. And I really felt like God said in the early days when we arrived here, it's time to mend the nets. Time to get the nets ready. Small groups and growth track and a lot of these things that we've now got in place. Friends, it's time to go fishing again. Not that we stop, but, but there is a season now where God's saying we're spreading our nets because we're called to be fishers of people. And my question for all of us is, is what's, what, what's my part? What are you asking me to do? And prayer and resource and help and service, what is it that God is asking us to do? Maybe you're thinking, well, if we see 100 people come into this place, we're going to need some small groups. That's right. We need some small group leaders. We need some people already sitting in small groups saying, you know what? It's time to step up. It's time to lead a group. I don't know how to do it. That's okay. We can help. If you can open your home and welcome some people in, you're about 90% qualified to lead a small group. Or maybe your gift is hospitality and you can say, you can have my home, but I'm just not ready to lead. Don't worry, there's someone else waiting to lead. They just need your home. So we can all have a part to play. You know, this passage we studied this morning is a result of a significant moment that happened immediately before, and I shared that earlier. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. It was a move of the Holy Spirit. 
a move of the Holy Spirit that changed and transformed the community because when you are impacted by Holy Spirit, there's a particular type of fruit that's produced in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That's a community. That's an authentic community that would lay down their lives for someone else. What's my part? God, what are you asking me to do? As we begin to cast our nets wider, to reach, serve, and influence our community. As we we close this morning, I want to give an invitation. We do this every Sunday because we believe that there are people here today that haven't yet known the joy of salvation, having our sins forgiven, washed away, made clean, made clean and right with God again. And this morning, this invitation goes out to every one of us, wherever your heart is at. If today you're saying, Mike, I don't know where my relationship is with God, but I know I need to surrender my life to Him again, that He would be fully in control. I want to pray a prayer of surrender. Would you pray that prayer with me? Would you agree with me? Would you pray this prayer of faith, believing and trusting that, that God can take the weight of our sin, and He did already through Jesus, but in faith we must respond. Every head bowed and eye closed. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for your great love for me. Thank you that you love the world so much that you would give your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you. I turn from my old way of living. I turn from my sin. I repent and ask you to forgive me. Make me whole. Make me new. I choose to follow you, Jesus, with all of my heart. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you prayed that prayer, maybe for the first time, or maybe you're you're saying, God, I'm surrendering my life. I'm coming back. I'm living fully for you again. You do one thing for me. On the count of three, would you stick your hand right up in the air, straight up. I'm going to acknowledge it, and you can put it straight down again. If you pray that prayer for the first time, we're coming back to God. One, God loves you. Two, he's forgiven your sins today. Three, right across this place. Anyone here today? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. God, we give you honor and praise for what you are doing. Lord, speak to us about our part to play in this community. Lord, we want to be authentic. Lord, we want to be sincere. We want to be without wax. We want to live for you with Jesus, you in the center of everything. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz